welcome our service this morning. We're going to ask you to stand, please. Take your songbook. Turn to page 78, 78, when we all get to heaven. And everybody singing out with the choir on this next verse. back to hit number two, hit number two, and we'll sing out on the first and last verses of When We See Christ.
that one more time, but we'll do the chorus a cappella.
think that midnight cry is about to take place. Would you stand, please, shake hands one another while the choir is dismissing? some folks will be baptized this morning. If you want to look up this way, please.
We're glad to welcome to our service this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, would you hold your hand up, please? And hold it up for just a moment. The usher will come to you with a visitor's card. We'd appreciate it if you filled the card out and dropped it in the offering plate when the offering's taken. And you may keep the pen as a gift of our church. We're delighted to have you with us. Good to have, um, I was recognized in Sunday school this morning, a couple of ladies from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And... Um, that's a good place, isn't it? Because uh, they make overalls there in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> All right. Um, our deacons installation tonight. I, I, I just I was just told a minute ago that uh, a couple of our deacons are sick, not going to be able to be here, but we can't put it off any longer. We got to go ahead and do it. And if they're not able to be here, um, we just have to go on without them. <clears throat> but um, uh, deacons, the wives, to be present as well, and we'll be doing that tonight in the evening service. And after the service this evening, we'll be having church fellowship, um, honoring our deacons, and and um, and just just a chance for us to get together as a church family. It's been a while now. COVID has knocked a lot of things out, and um, but but we haven't felt bring food. I know you kind of got out of the habit here and, and always not done it in a while, 
but uh, bring food, bring plenty of it, and uh, bring Baptist food, you know. You say, what's Baptist food? Fried chicken. You can't, you can't have a Baptist fellowship without fried chicken, can you? And um, you say, well, it's not good for you. Fried stuff's not good for you. It is when you do it at church. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord takes all the fat and all that stuff out of it and makes it good, healthy, nourishing food, doesn't he? Also, um, if you have not received your tithing envelopes, uh, they're back there on the uh, back table, uh, back here, and uh, or our ushers will be there to hand them to you if you if you need it. I think most everybody's already received them, but uh, if you need those, be sure to get a pack or ask the ushers to uh, help you to get get that. All right, um, Brother Micah. Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number 88. Hymn number 88, please stand and join me in singing both verses of Sweet Beulah Land. I'm kind of Sunday, we'll be taking our challenge point offering. We kept the, we started calling that, but actually, uh, the end result is more bills and checks for this coin, and uh, that's that's good because it's hard to count all those coins. It's easier to count the money, the uh, bills or the checks. But uh, uh, what it's all about? The bus workers several years ago challenged rest of the church to uh, bring in each, 
each one of them just try to beat the other and bringing in the most money. And so we've started uh, started doing that, and that'll be next Sunday morning in the morning service. So get all get all your um, bills you've been saving, all the checks, all the coins, and uh, bring them in. And and uh, last year our offering was a little over twenty six thousand dollars in the in that. Uh, so we want to beat that this this year. But uh, to our brother Mike, he's he's one of the best best workers. And Sunday school, if you did not receive your faith promise card, uh, be sure you, uh, all right, as they're taking the offering this morning, if you didn't get a faith promise card, let them know, okay, and they'll give you that card, and, and then you can put it in the amount that you're, that you and the Lord have uh, talked about, and uh, you've prayed about, and the Lord's laid, laid on your heart that amount to give to uh, Patriots this year, to give by, by the week, weekly. Appreciate it when you fill those fill those cards out. Uh, one of the ladies here this morning, uh, she's asking you to remember her son in prayer that he's uh, in Brisbane, and uh, so pray for him and those that are sick. We have a lot of folks that are still out sick. It's not uh, not not all of them COVID, so don't get nervous. But uh, but we are. You know, if you if anybody coughs now, we we, we want to get away from it. We don't want what the COVID thing has done to all of us. It's made us of everything. So uh, pray for those. Let's bow our heads now and look to the Lord in prayer. Ask the Lord's blessings on the offering and on this request this morning. Brother Carter, would you lead us in prayer? Jesus came to set the captives free, showed us by the way he lived, the way we need to be. His love is more than words could ever say. We must touch them with compassion, 
to help them find their way. How can we reach a world we never touch? How can we show them Christ if we never show them love? Just to say we care will never be enough. How can we reach a world we never touch? Could we be so busy being saved? Trying to impress a world that long since lost its way. We pride ourselves in being set apart. Yet we don't take time to touch a broken heart. Even if we found the time to care. Would we take the risk involved in always being there? Oh, we hold the very thing they need so much. Sometimes we touch the word of God in perhaps through just a simple touch. How can we reach a world we never touch? How can we show them Christ if we never show them love? Just to say we care will never be. a world we never touch. We hide behind these walls in the security of friends, but beyond the stained glass windows, the world is lost in sin. How can we reach a world we never touch? How can we show them Christ if we show them love just to say we care will never be enough how can we reach a world we never touch how can we reach a world we visiting with us today and you're wondering what the flag and the poster is all about. This is our month of missions, which we call it, and this is the last Sunday of our um, missions emphasis. Now, we emphasize missions all year round, but special emphasis during the month of February here each Sunday. So um, that's what it's all about. And so today we're, we're going to be message about missions. I want you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 1. We'll look at some other verses, but I want to I want to start out with verse 14. I'm going to read verse 14, 15, and 16. Apostle Paul said, I'm debtor both to the Greeks, that's the civilized, and to the barbarians, that's the uncivilized, <clears throat> both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, or sometimes that word Greek there is referring to the Gentiles. I've often asked the question, usually uh, sometimes we, during our missions month, um, 
we'll deal with this, not always in great detail, but questions to ask if it's a person who has never heard the gospel, never heard of Jesus, never seen a Bible, are they responsible for their sins? Will that person go to hell when they die? Or in other words, are the heathen lost? And drop on down to verse 18, and we'll read some more. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. When it says God gave them up or gave them over, it doesn't mean that God made them that way. He gave them up to that. He gave them up to that. They were already in that condition, so God just gave them over to that, gave them up. Who changed, verse 20, 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature, creatures more than creator, who's blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. They already had that. He gave up to that. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men working with men, that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. Again, he gave them up to this, a reprobate mind, and do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Are the heathen lost? We had a couple some years ago that came coming to our church, and uh, when we had the monthly meeting, we had the flags up and posters. And the lady asked me, said, um, "Do you believe that all that is necessary?" I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "With all this emphasis on mission, she said, uh, why, why, why send missionaries into countries where people have never heard of Jesus, never?" heard of the Bible, never heard the gospel. Why? You know, because they've never heard of Jesus, that means they'll go to heaven when they die. That really is not even a logical view of, of the lost. It's not even it's not even a logical thing. Why why would the Lord give us the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature <coughs> if they're not lost? We're doing a disservice. We're doing them an injustice uh, to go to them if they're not lost. But are are the heathen lost? And your your missionary zeal and service will be determined 
by your answer to that question. Because if they aren't lost, then missionaries sacrifice their lives, the lives of their families, for nothing. Mission groups pray and struggle for nothing. Christians sacrifice money and effort for nothing. But if they are lost, what a challenge that is for us, for you and me that are saved. What a challenge that is. And, and the Lord has laid that commission about before us that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If, if men could be saved without hearing the message of Christ, there's no great reason to be disturbed about their spiritual state or about our obligation to take the gospel to them. But what does the Bible say about it? What does the scripture say? Why, why would God tell us to go to them with the gospel if they're not lost? Why would he tell us to do that? Why would the Lord tell us to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature if they're not lost? Why would, why would he do that? That's a contradiction to everything else in the Bible. Every Every order, every instruction God's given us. But does the Bible in any manner give the impression that there is any way of salvation apart from God's own divinely appointed way? Does it leave the impression that if people sincerely worship their heathen gods and, and faithfully follow their pagan religion, that God will accept this? There's no, no question that God abhors heathen idolatry. Israel was judged for this. I like boy, we won't turn back to it right now for the sake of time. Just jot down there in the margin of the Bible, Judges chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. There's one place where God condemns the worship of idols of, or of false gods. Idolatry is condemned over and over in the Bible. There are many clear passages of Scripture that plainly show that salvation is impossible apart from a personal knowledge and acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, if this is not true, then Jesus was not telling the truth. He just said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible, Jesus is God, and the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. So, so in order to claim that the heathen are not lost, and if they do not hear the gospel, do not accept Christ as Savior, then they'll still go to heaven because, because they're not responsible that's contradicting the word of God. It's contradicting what the Lord said when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This means that Buddhists and Muslims and all of those who are uh, in false religion, those who worship false gods, it means that they're lost. No matter how sincere they are, they're lost. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, it says, And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who do not have him, they do not have eternal life. In John chapter 17, verse 1 through 3, and this, is, and, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And apart from such knowledge, there can be no eternal life. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, Ye were without Christ, having no hope in the world. Without Christ having no hope in the world. John chapter 3, verse 3, 
except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he tells how to be born again, and it is all through acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So, the Bible, all through the Bible, scripture after scripture, tells us that that the the only way to be saved is through God's plan of salvation, which is acceptance of the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without that, no, no matter how sincere you are, you're lost. And it doesn't have to be in darkest Africa. If you're here in America and you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, you are lost and on the way to hell. How, how can men who have never heard the way of salvation, how can they how can they be lost? How can God be justified in this attitude toward sin? That is in sending sending men to hell. Well, let's remember that God does not owe salvation to anyone. God does not owe us anything. When when He sent His Son into the world to make atonement for sin, God was not paying off a debt which he owed to man. His was an act of pure, unmixed grace. God God did not owe us salvation. We did not deserve it, and we could not demand it. Salvation is offered through grace and grace alone. And grace, one of the definitions of grace is unmerited, favor when people raise questions about the justice of God regarding the fact that men are lost without the gospel they're expressing the concept that God owes all men a chance to be saved he owes he owes no one a chance to be saved we're we are the ones that are responsible to get the gospel to the heathen Another thing to remember is that the heathen are not innocent or guiltless. We read here in chapter 1 in the text verse we read that uh, there's no, that men's without excuse. There is no excuse for people to be lost. They know, they know quite well the difference between right and wrong. In Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, knew by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. God's word, God's word, the law, written in our hearts. That's why, that's why even a little child knows the difference between right and wrong. The law of God's written in in our hearts. I don't have the time to go into all the details, but we had we had a a man who was going back as a missionary to his people in Africa, some place in Africa, and he had uh, he he told in his testimony he told about when he was growing up, when he was 18 years old, a a missionary came to their village. They lived in the village without electricity without running water they lived in thatched roof uh, huts they they had never this he testified that he had never seen a white man by the time he was 18 years old he had never seen a bible never heard of a bible never heard the name of jesus never heard the gospel but yet they had a form of worship they had a they had That was their altar. They looked at that as their altar. And they brought blood sacrifices to that altar when they had committed sin, when they knew they had done wrong. Never heard of Jesus, never seen a Bible, but they knew the difference between right and wrong. 
and they worship while it was a perverted worship. They they worship what they thought uh, was God, their God, uh, but it was a false God, false God, and their worship, their system of worship was entirely wrong. It was a perverted sense of worship and not to the true and living God. But he knew, the, the, the point is, he knew the difference between right and wrong, and so did all the people in that city. When a man came there with the gospel, came with the message of the saving grace of, of the Lord Jesus, he, he was saved. And, and when, a, when he came to America, went to Bible college, he was going back to his own people with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The other thing to remember is the heathen will be judged not for rejecting Christ, but for sinning against the light which they already had and doing this knowingly and deliberately. People mistakenly sometimes will say, the only sin that will send you to hell is the sin of rejecting Christ. That, that's not exactly true. You don't have to reject Christ. You don't, you don't even have to hear about Christ. You'll still die and go to hell without Christ. Because you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every every person ever born is a sinner. You're already condemned. I mean, Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. Already. It, it does, hearing about Jesus and hearing seeing a Bible, that doesn't make you lost. Lost because you're already lost and already under the condemnation of God. Any person who deliberately breaks the law is guilty and liable to the penalty, and no one's under any obligation to offer him a pardon. The heathen have sinned against the very law which God's written in their hearts and are justly condemned by their sin. It's not God who condemns the sinner. It's their own sin. Suppose Christ had, had never come into the world to be our Savior. Would men be lost? Would they be lost sinners? If Jesus had never come, would, would men be lost? You answer. Yes. Yes. Because we, we're sinners. We're, we're born sinners. We're born with that sin nature. That the Bible refers to as the Adamic nature. That, that that sin nature. We're born with that. Now we're not. Uh, we're we don't. You you don't go to hell because you're born. That uh, you commit sin. It's not just that you were born. It you you commit sin because that was the way you were born. You are a sinner. You. You sin because you're a sinner. You don't become a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. The Savior himself says he came into the world to save that which was lost, meaning that they're already lost. Are you listening? They're already lost, condemned already. That's why Jesus came. What was the purpose of the cross of Christ? our sins upon himself and when we when we come to him and we accept his atoning work in our behalf when we acknowledge that he died he died for me he he took my sins he died for my sins and we acknowledge that then we call upon the lord then we're saved but but you see you lost every person sitting here there was a time when you were lost time when I was lost and there's a time when you got saved there's a time when I got saved and the spiritual birth that, that new birth being born again uh, just like it, it compared to the physical birth there was a time when you were born physically you came into this world there's a time when you're born spiritually and it's no accident it's not an accident it's something that you deliberately do you 
deliberately acknowledge yourself as a sinner and you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, forgive you your sins and save you. If the Lord had not come and provided salvation, then all men would be hopelessly and eternally lost. Of course, those who hear the gospel reject it, they're sealing their condemnation for eternity because they're rejecting the one and only opportunity to live the promise. But the fact remains that people are condemned for sinning against the light which God has given them. That's what we're told here in Romans chapter 1. All men, all everybody, doesn't matter what nation they're in, doesn't matter what color of their skin, all men came from one Everybody on the face of the earth came from Adam and then Noah after the flood. Everybody, everybody on this earth. God didn't greet men. I believe that's described there in Romans chapter 1. God didn't greet man after Adam. God God didn't want. didn't want man to become a sinner. You remember he told him there in the Garden of Eden when he put him uh, in the Garden of Eden, he said, uh, there's only one prohibition, only one one thing that you're, you know, you can't enjoy, and that's you, you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Only one thing, one prohibition. And God told him, God told him, don't eat of that, don't eat of it. And man did. And so the whole world was disobeyed God's ordered instruction. Look at, look at, uh, back, go back to chapter 1 in Romans there. Look at uh, verse 21 again. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up in uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies among themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That young man I was talking about in Africa that they they had a form of worship. Where where did they get that from? Where did they get the idea? Where did they get this uh, knowledge that that there there was a form of worship that there and that they were to worship when they did uh, when when they did wrong when they committed sin that they were to make an offering for that. Where did they get that from? <clears throat> that was a distorted, perverted perversion, uh, uh, version of the cross of Christ. That's what the Bible teaches about salvation. See, men need, all over the world, men, people know the difference between right and wrong. <clears throat> the sad thing is that, that most of the world, they worship the wrong way. Their God is not the God of heaven. Their God is not the God of the Bible. They worship false gods. <clears throat> and just because they're sincere in their worship doesn't mean they're going to go to heaven when they die. <clears throat> Heathen darkness is the result of a deliberate rejection <coughs> of God and his word. One more basic fact that, that ought to be borne in mind <clears throat> men will be judged only on the basis of the knowledge and light that they sinned against <clears throat> in Roman uh, or in Revelation chapter 20 read there about men are brought to the great white throne judgment <clears throat> and this judgment is not to determine salvation these are
are all, these are all people who are lost. They're on their way to hell. They're, they're, not, they're not there to be judged to see whether they go to heaven or hell. They're there at the great white throne judgment because they're lost, and the judgment here is to determine the degree of punishment for eternity. not be judged unjustly. Hitler will be judged more severely than that grandmother that was a good woman but never got saved. Will be judged according and, and and the phrase is used over and over in the Bible according to their works according to their According to truth and without respect of persons. <clears throat> These phrases are used over and over again. The standard of divine judgment laid down throughout the scriptures is on, on that just and righteous basis according to their works. <clears throat> there will be degrees of punishment throughout eternity. going to be tormented throughout eternity, but there will be degrees of punishment throughout eternity. Yes, my friends, the heathen are lost. That's why we're here. That's why, that's why, that's what it's all about. The heathen are lost, and I urge you to face that fact before God, and then ask him to show you what he wants you to do about it. And this is why we have the faith promise offering. This is why we have the month of missions. This is why we send missionaries because the heathen are lost. So if you're here today without Christ, you're just as lost as they are. And you will suffer the same punishment that the heathen face. Stand please and heads bowed and eyes closed. I can tell by some of your expression that think that's harsh, you think that's hard, you think that's unjust, you think that's not right. My friend, we're not the ones who determine right and wrong, God does. And God could never be accused of being unjust because he, he is, that's one of his attributes, he is a just God. So for people to think it's not fair that people never heard of Jesus. See, they they do have they do have light, they have the law of God written in their heart, they they know the difference between right and wrong. They do they know they need a savior, they know they need God, yet but yet their perverted way of worship is not right. They're worshiping false gods. idols and such things and that's not no matter how sincere they are that's not that's not enough that's not salvation sincerity is not salvation it's acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior so if you're here this morning you've never been saved we invite you to come so I want to take the Bible and show you using God's word how you can be saved how you can know that I can leave here today knowing that if you die, you go to heaven. If you're a Christian, you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you're, maybe you've not been concerned about missions, about getting the gospel to the lost. Maybe you've not been as concerned about it as you should. You need to come today and rededicate your life. We invite you to come. Whatever the need is, we invite you to come this morning and have that need met. Heavenly Father, bless the invitation.